everybody. It's Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And before we start this week's show, um, I want to just uh, make a more of a personal comment. As you know, we record these shows and they run a little bit in advance. And um, this week's show, we were supposed to interview uh, Serge Chistov from Honest Marijuana. Serge was in Kiev the day we were supposed to be recording, and it was the day the bombing started. This invasion that's happening in Ukraine is a global human tragedy. Many of us, myself included, have parents and grandparents who suffered under the Nazis and then the Soviet occupation of Eastern Europe. But the Soviet occupation of Eastern Europe, as horrible as it was, pales in comparison to the current events in the Ukraine. In Ukraine, we are not just dealing with a war. This is a mass murder and genocide of millions of defenseless people. Calling it an invasion isn't strong enough language. It's mass murder. And over the next weeks and months, we'll be seeing and receiving millions of refugees from the conflict. This is a criminal human tragedy. In this industry, people always speak about helping others. We talk about the industry having been started to help. I hope and I expect every person listening to this show will stand up and help. Thank you for listening and thank you for caring. Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. And joining us this week, we have Alan Nguyen, who is the CEO of Mainstem. Welcome aboard, Alan. Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me on board. So, Alan, you know, I uh, Mainstem focuses on the supply chain around cannabis. And supply chain issues have been a repeated topic on this show, not directly in terms of how your company operates, but more there are lots of problems in many areas of the supply chain in this industry, both in the U.S. and even more critically globally. How did you get involved in, in the industry and specifically why did you focus on the supply chain issues? Um, yeah, that's a, a great introduction question. Um, so we got into the industry back in 2014, end of 2014-15. Um, before that, I was an aerospace uh, guy. And so I, I worked in aerospace and I was always B2B. So I was always in the infrastructure side of distribution, manufacturing, supply chain, um, that, that side of the business. So that's where I've always been very comfortable. Um, I'm not really on the B2C side. Right. So migrating and getting into this industry, my co-founder, um, who's also my cousin, had a lot of the industry experience, really strong on the cultivation side, was a medical grower for a number of years before it went recreational here in Washington. And so we decided to pair up our superpowers and where the uh, overlapping uh, uh, value of where our skills lied at was really on the infrastructure side, B2B of supply chain of all of the inputs, the picks and shovels that go into the industry. So we were, we were doing this back before it was sexy and, and brought to light <laughs> yeah. over the last couple of years of the pandemic. Well, it's, you know, it's not even this sexy and brought to light. The reality is the supply chain issue that different participants in the industry have faced in different states uh, over the last few years has been quite amazing where people need to supply or access resources 
be it from, you know, you mentioned shovels and stuff, and that's, a, you know, one, one aspect we can say drills into, but people have problems from the, uh, had problems for the longest time from a banking perspective to then access the supply of goods. And how do you pay for the fertilizer? How do you pay for your peat? How do you pay for coconut um, or anything else um, to accessing it and making sure it's flowing through to you on a schedule that's needed and, and the like. What areas are you tackling specifically, Alan? Um, yeah, so you mentioned all the things that we take for granted during a normal supply chain, right? Like yeah. all of those things you just mentioned typically are very well operated. So we don't even pay attention to them and we don't even know how Amazon gets us a package in an hour for $2, right? Or for free. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of infrastructure and logistics that are built around supporting this this commerce that that we have right and so for us really what we have focused on specifically in this space is really the supply chain what is the supply chain right uh -huh. the supply chain is 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 constructed of two pieces there's demand and then there's supply supply and demand and then there's a chain of logistics that that uh, connect the two so what we've really been focusing on is making that chain as short as possible to where we can combine supply and demand into one function and so the way we do that is we help these medium to large size operators even even some independents to to really a recognize what their true demand is across their organization through mm -hmm. our technology platform. It, it brings up everything into one dashboard, manages all the procurement across all of your different locations, whether it be dispensaries, uh, cultivation sites or processing sites. And at that same time, we pair it with the existing supply chain that's in the industry through our ecosystem. So we're really consolidating. That's our, our mantra is redefining supply chain. So we're removing that chain in between and creating a, a singular function of supply and demand. So that way operators and suppliers in this space can have the best real-time access to understand what their current needs are and where are the best options to go and get them from. Okay. And, you know, one of the aspects with regards to the supply chain that does come up um, in a lot of areas is people are, you know, on the other side are tracking from seed to sale in terms of the plant, the plant profile, and, you know, should be testing along the way and inputting the, those testing data and the like. But of course, they should also be tracking and inputting all the materials used. Because in a compliance perspective, especially as you start moving to a lot of the international standards, which will come to the U.S. as well, you need to be able to define every single material that interacted with the plant along the way. How are you integrating with that and um, managing around that? Or are you providing it, that information via APIs to uh, companies that are using different supply um, seed to sale tracking? Or is it something you want to do on your side for them to gain the access and reporting? So that is a very, very astute uh, observation. Um, so th this industry is really tackled from a tax perspective under 280E, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a not only a um, traceability aspect of trying to manage your cost of goods, but there's also a tax benefit of putting as much or categorizing as much of your cost of goods into um, your, your actual cost of goods, including labor, including, including the inputs in there. So you have not only this financial benefit from 280E that you need to, to mitigate, but you also have this traceability, exactly what you're talking about. So what we found is that 
in a lot of the operators. It's changing now over the years, but early on, a lot of the inputs or inventory that goes into the inputs weren't really being tracked, right? They weren't really being tracked. Exactly. And so um, right now there's traceability uh, software for, you know, government tracking that's, that's required. So they do a good job of, of, of the best job they can to manage the inventory and, and, and traceability across, across those parts. What Mainstem really provides is an added layer of that, right? Through all of the ancillary cogs that go into, uh, into producing, cultivating, packaging and selling cannabis. We integrate with all the different accounting systems that the uh, the operators have. So imagine you're an operator, multi-state operator with operations in California, um, Michigan, and New York. And you each, because of M&A or because of, because of regulatory compliance, you have a version of QuickBooks in California, Sage in New York, and another different license of QuickBooks in, in Michigan. Yep. You have a very frag- fragmented system. So what Mainstem does is we integrate the API to all of those accounting systems to the GL level to where we can map everything that's being purchased from our platform to the uh, associate, uh, right uh, accounting system and tie it to cost of goods. So we really help navigate those pieces. But yet on the front end of that, you've got a global dashboard that allows for the workflows, like it's a singular system, right? And so we sit on top of that madness to help uh, help customers get uh, make everything a, a global vision, right? Okay, so you, you integrate into the various accounting packages. Do you have an API so that the seed to sale tracking could also integrate where in the future they will need to, you know, or some of them will already want to do it in some areas, uh, track which batch of the, you know, of cocoa or anything else was used in terms of the husks um, in each plant or each batch. Are you able to give that granularity back into the other system so that they can really tie each piece together? Yes. So we just started, we actually just started our partnership program um, in the end of last year. And so that partnership program is really geared towards other software companies in the supply chain, right? right. So one of them would be obviously seed to sale, because if you can tie in the inputs that go into that crop or that batch, it makes a lot of sense and data and value to the customer. We're also working with other supply chain companies that are more process oriented, right? So how do I maximize my, maximize my yields or how do I take this batch and convert it uh, over to a concentrate, right? And so we're working with those types of companies to really help maximize and bring value that's data that they didn't have before. Well, exactly. Because if you're, if you're really tracking it down you know, to, you know, to a very great detail level, you're able to increase your um, margins, and lower your cost of goods sold because there's you there should be no waste. Absolutely. Because that's, you know exactly, exactly right. what you're going to need on a continuous basis. And that's yep. critical for any business operating. I mean, that's uh, if you're not tracking that and managing it properly, your your costs go out of hand. And you know, that's uh, that's an easy way for anybody to run out of business. Yeah, you know, I, I will say this. While the pandemic was and continues to be very challenging from a human aspect right yep. um, with, with everything that's going on one of the things one of the byproducts that that came about was it really t- caused a lot of operators to look internally right so um, and, and it was growth 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 external growth external growth external growth and really were either throwing bodies or money at the internal operations to keep keep the machine going but during the pandemic it caused 
uh, everyone to really f- focus and look internally to say, how can we, how can we better these systems? How can we better these processes? How can we streamline things? Um, so it's actually been a great pickup for us in that regards, because the folks have really had to stop and take a look at our operations and, and try to really optimize the way they do things. Yeah, no, it's, it's just, well, it's critical at every level. We, um, Aylin, we do have to take a short break uh, for our sponsors, but we will be back in a moment on The Green Peak with Aylin uh, from Mainstem. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Alain Nguyen uh, with Mainstem. And Alain, um, you know, you must have seen, not just in the uh, during the pandemic, but even before that, some really amazing uh, supply chain related issues at every stage of the of the chain itself and the delivery system. What are some that are really remarkable that have caused absolute chaos for somebody that you've been able to then take a look at? How do you prevent it happening again in the future? Like, what, what's a great example? Yeah, so a great example are things that were newly introduced to the recreational commercialized industry, right? Mm -hmm. So things in the supply chain that were around for either the medical or illicit market before, those were pretty robust because they've been servicing the industry for like the last 30 years or so, right? Right. Um, Things are like nutrients and and those are actually made, most of a lot of them are made domestically here and that supply chain has been established. But a lot of the newer um, products or supplies that were created because of the commercial and regulated industry, things like, you know, packaging, child resistant packaging, those types of unique containers or consumption devices, right? So vaporizer technology really uh, took off. So there's some, what we saw, and this was a couple of years ago, and now it's even being stressed even more is some of these newer, newer products or technologies that were brought to market really were owned by a single source, right? So let's just say vaporizer technology or even the pre-roll joint cones, right? A lot of that technology really uh, was was singular in manufacturing to where it was maybe one major manufacturer that was supporting a number of uh, private labels and a number of distributors here. So optically, it looked like sources were more abundant and there were more options available, but really there was a single pain point or a single manufacturing point for many of those things, especially early on. It's changing now, but seeing that in the supply chain and you know, we've been continuously being advocates of, of, of uh, good stewards to our community and customers and saying, it's really important that you diversify your supply chain as much as possible because of these things. And so now we see not only the global supply chain chaos that's going on, but additional strain from more demand and growth in the industry. And when those one or two suppliers you know, start to uh, uh, have ripples in their manufacturing or have to shut down or can't keep up with demand, that just cascades. And, and a lot of people aren't aware about that because they see all of the distributors and all of the private label brands have all of these products, but not recognizing that they come you know, from one or two sources. So in that case, you give the the next step in the in the supply chain really visibility into alternative suppliers so that they can maintain their production rates. 
Yep, that's absolutely right. We we not only help provide them with the privy of the additional distributors that are in the space, but we also work to help get the customers directly in the manufacturing queue at the at the baseline manufacturer, or work with alternative manufacturers uh, for the products. Right, and that can, that can be critically issue, like you said. You know, if there was a problem on you know as a, as an example, not that they is if there's a supply chain issue in the paper for the pre rolls for one particular supplier everybody else still needs the the materials because customers are still going to want to buy the product correct that's exactly right and and so mainstem itself on behalf of your customers how much of your time is spent sourcing alternative resources for those supplies because you're mm-hmm. you become a b2b marketplace through all of that in and of itself but you know is it is most of your effort spent on finding lots of potential suppliers or is it really establishing marketplace and getting everybody to populate it along the way. Like Amazon doesn't recruit stores, yeah. but everybody tries to list there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like the chicken or the egg, right? Uh, which one do you, which one do you uh, uh, spend more time on? So as our customers on our, the front end of our business with our SaaS platform is really geared towards a, that supply chain, but it's also fixing and solving a lot of the complexities that come with large organizations, MSOs in this space, or SMB customers. Um, so we spend a lot of time on that side, helping them navigate and get transparency within their own organization. That was, that was where we spent most of our time with, with uh, these larger customers. Now, because of what we're seeing with uh, the global pandemic and the, the crisis that we're the supply chain crisis we're in, we're finding ourselves not only working on the transparency and the data at the customer level, we're now doing a lot of working with the sourcing uh, with for those customers. Just because it's 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 much larger of an issue now than it was a year ago, right? Yes, I mean, I, I I'm you mentioned you're in Washington State. I'm just across the border uh, in Canada on uh, Vancouver mm. Island. Hey. And I've been watching, uh, you know, a lot of freighters sit here for a month over the last couple of years, especially since we had um, all the disasters in BC that wiped out the rail lines and everything else. But ships that would normally pass by and stop for maybe 24 hours are stuck here for a month waiting to unload. Yeah. And those materials are just sitting there waiting. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know what's on them, but we do know that there's shortages in stores of, of various products. And that's because of the supply chain problem. Um, having alternative sources and as a, you know, as anybody as a participant in the industry, it doesn't matter if you're building, you know, shelving for your store or you're getting the uh, pre-rolls to fill the materials or you're getting the bottles for doing uh, packaging or anything else along the way. Those are serious issues that really can hold up and, you know, kill your, kill your retail for a season or for a period because, if you don't have it, your customer's probably going to go somewhere else. And, you know, customer buying behavior is such that once they move, they tend to stick with who they move to. Yeah. People don't move around a lot. So this issue you're helping with really is to, um, is also for a customer retention perspective for all of the people you're working with, with regards to, even though you're B2B, it's helping customer retention on the B2C end. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you touched on a couple of important points there, right? So when we look at cannabis itself, the industry, while it is rapidly growing, it's still a microcosm compared to the larger, you know, CPG industry. Oh, so God, yes. if, if we take, if we take those, 
those challenges that we just talked about at the cannabis level, the microcosm of, you know, single manufacturers and the, the pain points that are there. Now we add in the larger global crisis of supply chain. So those containers that are, that are those, those freighters that are sitting outside of the ports, most likely those are not very many cannabis containers on there because a lot just of- Just takes the, one, you know, it, one it container one, yes. is massive in terms of how much material it holds. Exactly. And so when you think of, CPG, like, you know, Target and Walmart and all the inventory that they carry, they, they demand and garner and warrant much more priority on manufacturing and logistics than the cannabis industry. So even during difficult, challenging times like this, they still are going to get the priority of those freighters uh, to get their inventory in, uh, on their, on those ships. So while they're still uh, realizing this impact. And we see it in, you know, the chip manufacturers, we see it yep. in our everyday inventory of products that we buy at Costco or wherever it may be, mm-hmm. they're still taking priority, right? So now, now you compound those issues of, of cannabis industry taking a much lower priority in the logistics side, yep. then combine that uh, with the, um, with the already uh, uh, troubled implications that we have around manufacturing that's the great definition for compounded interest in yes. supply chain woes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the one aspect, of course, that I haven't touched on with regards to this, or one of many, is uh, payment. Because one of the challenges for people operating in the industry has always been the, you know, banking and pay, paying bills and the like. How do you help with that, or do you? That was very challenging, Years ago, I, I'm not saying it's easy now. It's definitely not easy. No, <laughs> the, the landscape has the landscape has changed significantly. A lot of the mature markets have really good, robust credit unions that yeah. are servicing these um, these operators. Every time a new state goes legal, right? There's always banking as an issue, but typically a credit union will come in and, and help out. So it. It, there is patchwork that is available in terms of banking. And that's mm-hmm. some of the complexity that Mainstem deals with, right? Like I said, we integrate with multiple bank accounts that you have if you're a multi-state operator. We, multi- we integrate with multiple accounting software, but you right. as a controller or CFO or AP, you can come into the platform and be able to select from the various banks that you have, select from the various accounts and manage it at a global piece. Mm-hmm. So while there are still lots and lots and lots of of banking challenges. We help ease some of the management of the fragmentation that exists. No, it's excellent because, you know, they're all, they're all little nightmares that add up to massive challenges for any operator in the industry. And as you say, state by state, it does vary dramatically. Some are becoming very straightforward, but others it's, it's one unknown after the other still. So it's, that's always a challenge. Um, Alain, we have to take a quick break again, but we'll be back in a moment on The Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Alain from uh, Mainstem. And Alain, you know, looking at the supply chain issues we've been going through over the last while as the industry's evolved... How do you see it evolving over the next couple of years? What's going to be the big changes that are going to affect and smooth out the supply chain for participants in the industry? Well, I think, I think the, the issues that we're going through right now with supply chain, both from an industry perspective, but also on a larger global scale, are going to have some pretty good 
positive repercussions, right? It's innovation by necessity almost. Uh So I really do think that a lot of the manufacturers that we see that, that own, it's almost like sole source manufacturing. I really think that a lot of the um, private labels or the distributors will start to look to build and define alternative sources and manufacturers for those products, right? So we're going to see a, a little bit more of opening up of additional manufacturers for, for these types of products. I also see that we have a lot of catch up to do. There's, there's a huge backlog that's growing for demand of these, of these products. And we are probably not even close to being caught up to the end of this year. Oh, so God, really, no. I, no, yeah, absolutely not. And so that 2023, 2024, I think are going to be very defining moments in supply chain to where there's going to be a level of transparency that there wasn't before because a lot more manufacturers will will come into the place where Mainstem will have a great opportunity to help bring the transparency to the operators. Um, and I also think that, you know, being caught up, uh, you know, if like in every ebb and flow market, is there an opportunity for a slight glut at some point? Possibly when they get caught up, but that's probably down the road and, and a little bit about everyone's privy right now. That's that's a different aspect of the supply chain management where the suppliers need to make sure that they don't just catch up, but they also manage the future. Yeah. Um, you know, but on that and you know, where there could be a glut, but where demand is always going to continue, one of the things that have to keep in mind is, you know, like when a state like California uh, legalized and uh, sent out the licenses and had companies apply for the licenses. There were 5,000 applications and they gave out 500 licenses. The other 4,500 growers still continued growing, but they're on the illicit side of the market, more or less. A company like yours that's dealing with the supply chain issues, how much, how much and how do you factor that in? That there is that demand, which is really not quantified because it varies state by state, but exists and is competing for that supply? Yeah, th- this is actually a, a really great question, right? It's, the, it's almost the economics at play of how, what, how supply chain affects the economics of, of the cannabis industry of mm-hmm. illicit versus regulated. Um, when we, we talked, we, we mentioned earlier that the majority of the things that are being impacted in the supply chain for the cannabis industry are coming from overseas. Yep. And the majority of those things are new to the regulated market, right? So we're talking um, the child resistant packaging, the uh, specific types of, of um, consumption devices and, and, and how they they're have to follow certain guidelines, right? That's all new from the regulated market. Well, if those items are feeling the biggest impact of supply chain, we're going to see a reduction in availability for those items in the regulated market. Right. So what we, what we can see is a less diversified availability of cannabis in different ways of consumption. So right now we have pre-rolls, we have drinks, we have um, concentrates, and we have flour. Well, if you don't have the means of, of properly packaging things up in these other formats of consumption, we'll probably drive back some of the ways of consumption into flour, right? If we have supply chain issues with vape cartridges and pre-roll cones and all those people are going to find an alternative delivery, but that puts pressure on that other supply chain or aspect of supply chain. And so now you've got something that's competing a lot with the illicit market, which is a lot of flour. Well, the illicit market doesn't have to worry about supply chain from overseas. They don't have to worry about um, child resistant packaging. They don't have to worry about those things. So now you've really not only constrained some availability on the regulated market, you've 
you've you really freed up the 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 uh, uh, the constraints on the illicit market. So uh-huh. it's, it, it allows for that shift to come over. It's it's a very insightful question, and and to see the, some of the economics turn out. Obviously, we don't have privy at what goes through in the illicit market. We're we're really concentrated on the regulated market. Right. But but seeing some of those things come down the chain, are we can we can see some of those impacts happening. Yeah, because there will be shortages, you know, in in various products that are not going to be logical in their own. And it's sometimes because we're not really measuring the marketplace as a whole. We're measuring only part of it. And that part of it, you know, will vary in state by state. You know, I use the California example in other states, you know, it's probably closer to 50-50 or even larger where the... um, the illicit and the uh, legalized market are in size. California, I think, is a bit of an extreme um, in some ways. Up here in Canada, even though uh, you know, you've got lots of licensed dispensaries or dispensaries operating uh, freely and availably, there's still a huge black market that isn't being calculated and isn't entering into the, you know, in our perspective, into tax revenue, where the uh, legalized market is generating a ton of cap, um, tax revenue. That's something which everybody has to be mindful of as we're trying to participate because we've got a we have an invisible competitor in a lot of areas. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing that I think is interesting is that you know this the market exists it already is there right it's mm-hmm. it's really a matter of converting the market into a safe regulated um, market and industry to where it can be healthy right it can be it can be very healthy but that's the thing is. There's an already there's already a market. There's been a market, right? That's, it's not like the- it's not like technology was where we had to explain to people why they wanted our product. Everybody yeah. knows they want the product. Yeah. Exactly. So how do we get it to them? Exactly. exactly. Right. So that's great. You know, that's great, Elaine. Um, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Green Peak this week. It's been a really great conversation. And uh, I hope you'll be back again at uh, some point in the future. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening and joining us. And thank you, Richard. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Great. Thanks, Elaine. And that was Elaine Wynn with MainStem. And Elaine, just uh, before we go, uh, if people want to learn more about MainStem, find your product, uh, participate in the ecosystem, how do they reach you and where do they go? Sure. You can reach us at our website at mainstem.io. That's M-A-I-N-S-T-E-M.io. Or you can email me at Elaine, A-L-E-N, at mainstem.io. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak, and we'll be back with you again next week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.